you found a show that will explore how to experience a kingdom lifestyle that is both focused and balanced. Welcome to Live Exceptionally. In a world where we are constantly bombarded with demands on our time and attention, it can be difficult to find the space to truly live our best lives. But what if we could find a way to live exceptionally with a sense of purpose, freedom, and rest? Whether you're a busy professional, a stay-at-home parent, or anyone who wants to live a more focused and balanced life, this show is for you. Join us as we discover how to live exceptionally, finding freedom and rest along the way. Now, let's get into this week's episode of Live Exceptionally with Dr. Yvonne Thompson. Good evening. Welcome back to Live Exceptionally where we equip people with keys and tools to experience a kingdom lifestyle that is purposeful, focused, and balanced. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, and share with others on YouTube or your preferred podcast platform. Stay connected with us at elisi.org to know about events, inspirational media, and more. That is elisi.org, E-L-I-C-I.org. In this week's episode, we speak with Valerie Cunningham. I'm so excited. I will be speaking about mental health stigmas. Good evening, Apostle Valerie. How are you? Good, Dr. Yvonne. How are you today? I'm doing very well. I'm so excited for you to be with us. Um, you're a mental health advocate and propon strong proponent about uh, mental health. Um, so I'm not going to introduce you. I want you to take some time and to briefly share about yourself, your organization, as well as your ministry, if you'd like. Okay, thanks. Um, my, my name again is Valerie Cunningham, and I am the founder and the CEO of the Synergy Health Center in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, the Synergy Health Center, the, the mission of that is to transform lives through mental health, substance abuse and support services with a specific emphasis on African-Americans. Um, I started the Synergy Health Center 20 years ago and the timing of God is impeccable um, since there has been such a drive towards mental health, especially in the black community. So I've been doing that for again, 20 years and it's been an amazing journey to get to this point in time. I have also part of that, we've developed a, youth and family arm of the Synergy Health Center called the Urban Zone, which um, I believe not only is it impactful to equip and train adults about their mental health, but I also think we have to get the generation before that. So we have developed programs that really focus on teaching our adolescents, especially ninth through 12th graders about mental health, mindfulness, rest. And so those are just a few things that from a business perspective, that I do. Awesome. Um, would you say the work that you do with the Synergy Center, that that ties very closely to what you do from a ministry perspective? I, I believe that the marketplace ministry and ministry is all tied together. I believe that the secular, the secular and the sacred for me is all one. Uh, it is a part of my ministry, it's a part of my purpose. And so it is helpful in ministry to really help equip people to really talk about mind health, you know, how to have a healthy mind in Christ. And so I do definitely think that they, it all ties together for me. Yeah. I think a lot of times with, from a ministry perspective, 
uh, a lot of focus is put on the spiritual aspect and the appreciation for the mental and emotional aspect of our soul because the soul is made up of our mind, our will and emotions that sometimes the, the mind part, having a healthy mind, being well emotionally and mentally is underappreciated um, because so much is focused on our spiritual man. Absolutely. You know, the scripture that comes to mind is, I would that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And when we think about our soul, it's our mind, it's our will, it's our intellect. And as we're prospering, God wants our our soul, our mental health to be just as strong and healthy as our spiritual components. Amen. So what? tell me, what do you think are the critical mental health issues that plague a lot of Christians today? There are maybe like two or three issues that are really plaguing the, the faith community. One is uh, a majority of the time the faith community feels like that if they engage in uh, mental health services or get professional help, that they are not having enough faith in God. So that does mental health support mean that I don't believe God as a healer? And God is a, as a counselor, but he also put counselors in place to help when we need that mind health. You know, so when we have physical health issues, we have no problems going to the doctor or, to, um, or praying for healing. It's the same with the mental health. And so the lack of faith is plagued, not faith, the lack of um, belief that getting help outside of faith is a, a stigma in the, um, in the church community. The other area that is a plague is not knowing what services to get go to. You know, senior leaders are the primary source of most people's uh, problems. When they have a problem, they go to their pastor, their senior leader. Sometimes senior leaders aren't equipped uh, to handle the degree of mental health problems that may be coming out at them. And so understanding the limitations that, that come with leadership and leaders knowing where to direct people to get the mental health services. So, you know, one of the things I've been talking about lately is the uh, intersection of faith and mental health. How do the two work together without there being, if you will, a disparity on either side? So how do we integrate our faith to uh, believe that God is okay with me having Jesus and a counselor too? I think that is such an important point when you talk about the intersection of faith and mental health. Because uh, a lot of times people are directed because of the lack of knowledge or lack of awareness uh, by people in leadership. Most often it's, you know, well, fast. You need to fast. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. And all those things are great. They're important as believers. But at the end of the day, sometimes just that navigating of the tactical or intricacies of things that we're battling or facing uh, on a daily basis, whether it's trauma, whether it's some type of uh, difficult circumstance that happened, you know, it doesn't always have to be a extreme case like trauma. You know, sometimes it could be things that a person is dealing with on their job. I remember when I was going through something uh, professionally and dealing with some very difficult people at work who were doing a lot of underhanded things, the anguish that I was in on a, a daily basis 
with trying to protect myself, watch my back, you know, all the microaggressions and things that were taking place. And I had to, I didn't seek a, like a professional counselor, but I had to seek counsel with people mm -hmm. to help talk through those issues because I was too close to it. Mm -hmm. I was too close to the issue and couldn't actually see clearly because of the emotions that were raging within me. You know, oftentimes for for Black people in a workplace settings, that was a great example that when we're dealing with mental health stresses, it could look differently than somebody else. You know, oftentimes the weight of stress um, on us with the mental health issue, it could come across as the angry Black woman. It could come across as the angry person, the disgruntled person, when really it could be the depth of distress the depth of uh, oppression, all of those things that that come. And so really identifying those emotional and mental places and finding a good resource to have counsel with, I think are crucial in all settings, even workplace settings, natural settings, stress is overwhelming. And stress is a, uh, in today's society, stress is, is everywhere. And again, yes. a lot of anxiety, it creates a lot of um, depression, and so we have to know what the signs and the symptoms are so that we can know, is it just a temporary situational issue or is it becoming more and more of a mental health issue um, and, or mental health condition? Right. And when you, and some of these things, like you talk about stress, uh, anxiety, uh, depression, a lot of these stress and anxiety can lead to depression, but then some people suffer from depression almost as a, a, men, a health issue. Mm -hmm. And we can underappreciate the impact of stress. I mean, just the stress of, for example, being a, a parent and you're juggling your job, if you're in ministry, your family, all the personal things that you have to, to deal with and it can build and build, you know, whether it's financial issues or health issues, all these things compounding and the, the anxiousness that would come in trying to deal with it. And while we can trust God and while we do believe God and while we do pray and fast and read the word, uh, oftentimes there's still more that needs to be done in order to actually address the, the compound or the complex nature of all these emotions and feelings that are converging uh, on, a, on an individual. You know, when we think about all of those things, you know, if we could find some ways to uh, know how we handle stress and how we handle pressure, you know, everybody handles it a little bit different. But when we have, like you said, the convergence of so many things coming at us all at one time, how do we navigate those spaces from a mentally strong perspective? And I think one of the things that we have to know is when we think, when we talk about mental health, is is it is it temporary or is it becoming something more? You know, it's, 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 that's the first thing. So do I have to acknowledge that it's temporary or it's making me sicker than I am? Then if it is, then I kind of have to determine what is it that's making me sick, you know, or making me stressed or making me anxious. And if I can identify the area that's making me feel that way, we would call them, can you identify your triggers? Those things that kind of set you on edge. And most of the times they're, people, places, or things that create those triggers within you. And if we can know what they are, then we can know how to handle them better. 
or we can know how to manage them better. But most times we don't think in those terms, if you will. We just think that I went to work and I felt anxious because my boss was going to treat me a certain way. Well, that was the trigger, right? The engagement with your boss was a trigger that created the anxiety that created the uh, other behaviors that go along with it. Well, go ahead, dig a little further and, and talk a little bit more about these triggers, because I think these are things that we deal with as Christians. It's not just the people that we're reading about in the news, you know, going off and things like that. You know, sometimes as Christians, we're not able to restrain ourselves or react uh, appropriately because there are undealt with issues within ourselves, pain, uh, disappointment, frustration, heaviness, things that we're dealing with in our daily lives that we haven't fully addressed that sometimes can be triggered. So how can uh, people, Christians, appropriately address when these things happen and then reset themselves to move forward in a, in a healthy manner? You know, Dr. Yvonne, I think one of the things that we have to do is kind of know ourselves a little bit. And when we know ourselves a little bit, we could know that I'm off a little bit or I'm not having a good, I'm not being centered. You know, my, my center is off a little bit. And I think when we recognize that the people that we encounter even in ministry, ministry can be very stressful and it can be very triggering um, to people. I know that there are times in ministry where because I've had a bad experience um, with people that I may get anxious to have a meeting if the meeting isn't going to go well and I feel like I may be attacked or those kind of things. So in ministry, I think we have to realize, like, is it the conversation? Is it what's said? Is it what's being done? Or is this something from my past? Is this some unresolved hurt that I have not dealt with and it feels similar or, or it feels the same? So I got to be able to determine if it's the current situation that's happening or is it a past situation that's happening that's triggering these emotional thoughts, these emotional feelings. And when I get triggered, it's kind of the the self-evaluation. Is it is it me? And I think that's what we really have to, to think about in ministry is it's not always the other people, but it, it may be the past hurts that are triggering me, the past uh, experiences that are triggering me, the past words you know, sometimes when ministers are preaching over the pulpit, you know, and it seems like it's being um, taught to me, maybe that's a trigger for me in some old places that I have not been healed. So one of those things is to I really identify that to uh, to own your own feelings and to know that it's okay to sit with those feelings, but not to stay with those emotions, because it's when we we stay stuck that it begins to get worse versus having some conversations with someone that can give you good counsel, um, some non-biased people, some professional people that will help you navigate those spaces when you feel overwhelmed, anxious, triggered for, for different reasons. No, I think that that is excellent, especially when you talk about uh, self-evaluation, because oftentimes with the and not even just, not so much the stress and anxiety, but when we experience a lot of, I guess, emotional anguish, most often it's based on our interpretation when, when, when it's dealing with people. So not necessarily external things like things we can't control, like uh, financial issues or health issues. Sometimes, a lot of times that's where stress and anxiety comes in because those 
situations, we can't control them other than by prayer. But then when we have the situations that involve people, most often our response is based on how we perceive or how we interpret what they're doing, what they're not doing, how they're, you know, interacting with others or ourselves. And then the uh, stress or anxiety is as a result of more perceptions and uh, how we're interpreting things. But if we don't look at ourselves, evaluate ourselves, or even just some self-awareness, you know, how are we contributing to this situation or what can I do in myself to change my behavior, how I'm approaching the situation, you know, what can I do to influence how this situation or even how I'm interpreting it uh, can can change or, or differ? You know, one of the big things is, um, like you said, it's, all, it's the onus, owning my own stuff. And one of the things that we really talk about in mental health, and I think this would just benefit all of us, we say how you think determines how you feel. Mm. How you feel determines what you do or your behavior. So it's kind of like a, a, a triangle. Your thoughts yeah. will, so if you are, if your filter is a wounded filter mm. and everything is going through a wounded filter, then the things that, that you're thinking is gonna come from a wounded place or a hurt place. But if your filter is healthy and it's yeah. healthy, then you're able to decipher better than if your filter was full of wounds and full of hurt. And so those kind of things help us to think. So then your thought is different from a healthy place. Oh, they were just saying that, but from a, a, a wounded place, they meant to hurt me. So it becomes yeah. about those internalizing wounds that we need to be able to be healed from. And, you know, I, I, I suggest and recommend a lot of inner healing mm -hmm. um, from, from inner healing from wounded places and a lot of deliverance from things that have attached itself to us that we were not aware of it. So that's how you integrate faith and mental health is you take all of the benefits that God has given us with inner healing and deliverance and you marry it with the benefits of wise counsel, somebody who has expertise in the mental area. And so those two coming together can really create a whole healthy person um, with a different mindset and a healthy way of thinking and a healthy way of living. That's so good. That was going to be my uh, next question. What do you think we need to use? How do we address these issues? And so you spoke of inner healing uh, you spoke of uh, deliverance and marrying these with the mental health. And I think that is so powerful. And also, you know, sometimes I think going back to ministries, when people need assistance or extra help, they'll seek the counsel of leadership in their uh, ministry. Sometimes they're not always equipped. So in essence, when they're seeking counsel, it's one form of inner healing because they're seeking counsel. But then a lot of times, uh, many of these people may not actually be equipped to adequately counsel, give sound counsel, give wisdom. I know we both can tell stories growing up in the church of instances when people sought counsel and the advice or information that we shared was just like, oh my goodness. At the time, maybe we were not as, um, didn't have, didn't know what we know now. But looking back, like, oh, my goodness, where in the world did they, you know, get that counsel from? 
or you know suggesting people to you know stay in situations that were dangerous, etc. Um, so in that instance, how do we like foster an environment and be and like uh, promote awareness around inner healing, like sound inner healing? People who potentially are actually trained in it, mm-hmm. uh, and then getting leaders to understand the importance of support for inner healing and deliverance beyond themselves if they're not adequately trained in it. I think what you're doing right now, Dr. Yvonne, is uh, a cursor into that. I think that there has to be conversations around mental health, conversations around inner healing. Everything that we can do it can't be so spiritually uh, spiritualized that we forget the natural components that are good. Uh, there's a scripture that says, don't be so earthly minded that you, I mean, no, so spiritual minded that you're not earthly good. So for, for leadership, I think that we have to really think about what is their limitations and how can we partner with people that are equipped in inner healing? Or do we need to train up people in our ministries to be certified in inner healing or certified in deliverance ministries that could walk walk alongside a counselor or a mental health person. One of the things that we've done, even in our ministry, because we do have an inner healing ministry of someone who's certified, and what inner healing does, it begins to open up the wounded places in that person. And after inner healing is done, they need a counselor. They need somebody to help them process through, give them tools to um, navigate these new places that they're entering into, give them Um, skills that they haven't had to cope with before. So that's how the two can work together. But I really think leadership, we have to know what our limitations are. Uh, I know that what I'm gifted in and my skill set and not be intimidated by others who bring so much to the table because we're all one body and we all, all of the gifts are important. All the pieces of the puzzle are important. And I think when we talk about mental health, we say that that's an important piece of healing and Inner healing is an important place to heal the wounds that we've experienced in childhood or, you know, we say we have mother wounds or father wounds or sibling wounds. How do we get to a place where those wounds no longer impact our lives the way they have? And that's where inner healing comes in. And it it, it puts south on those wounds, but it also changes your paradigm and how you're thinking. So now that you can get more help when the two marry um, together. That, that's very powerful. And I think when you uh, talk about, um, or, you, or you said a word that I can't even, it slipped my mind. I should have wrote it down. Um, but the whole process that you're talking about, I think is, is so powerful where, oh, you are saying that you have to recognize you're not intimidated. That's what I wanted to mm-hmm. uh, follow up on. You're not intimidated that we're one body in Christ. And certainly when the word talks about, you know, you have the hand, you have the foot, you have the eye, that we all have a place to play in the body. And so whereas I'm a CPA, you know, you are trained in social work and trained particularly in this. God has called me to the principle of rest and to amplify that message. I come with a corporate marketplace perspective. So there's nothing to be intimidated by. We all work together as one. And so I, I think that that is so powerful on um, what you're talking about in terms of working together that potentially we can include people in our ministries who have specific skill set in this area. Because if the people 
and the ministry are healthy, then the ministry is healthy. Healthy. <laughs> you know, um, Dr. Vida, I think when we talk about this, it, it really is talking about a whole paradigm shift in how we've done ministry. And, you know, in past, ministry has been like a one-person focus. Um, that that one person, we go to that one person, and that one person has all the answers for everybody in the ministry. Well, I really believe God is calling us to a multiplicity of ministry, right? And multiplicity of ministry means that, you know, all of us that have different giftings, whether in the church or outside of the church, those giftings empower the body to be whole and healthy, like you said. Your CPA and your ministry is married. They merge together. My social work and mental health and ministry, it marries. And so God didn't create us to take our corporate giftings and put it over here and forget about ministry. But how do we bring all of the gifts to the table and create a, um, a wealthy, strong body of Christ versus a weak body of Christ? Because we're not incorporating and embracing all the gifts that God has given Amen. When you said that, the thought that came to my mind is the kaleidoscope, a kaleidoscope of giftings, skills, and talents, and that the kaleidoscope, you know, it's normally different colors. And so if we're coming together as a kaleidoscope in the body, that it's beautiful when we're all like different colors, different giftings, but together it makes beautiful patterns, mm -hmm. uh, different, uh, uh, beautiful um ideas and creativity that comes together uh to make to advance the the kingdom of god mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is beautiful it is beautiful and it's needed and i think that is the trajectory that that the holy spirit has us on is it's no longer the world is out there and the church is in here it is his word says he came to um to save the world and this is a part of that trajectory of us stepping outside of our normal thinking about ministry and marketplace and seeing how God has really um, caused us to walk in the fullness of what he's, what he's designed for us. Amen. That is so good. What do you think are some of the key stigmas that you and or your center encounter by people and or organizations of faith? We've talked about some of them. But are there any other ones that come to mind that are that you encounter and that you all are trying to ad address? Yeah, we, you know, one of the things that we encounter is, um, especially from different people, is um, there's nothing wrong with me, and and I, I think we've been working on changing our terminology because that has been a huge stigma, especially with different cultures who said I'm not crazy. And mental health support or mental health services is not about anybody being crazy, but it's about there's a sickness that's happening within you that needs some healing. And so one of those stigmas is, is shame attached to needing mental health services. So we try to make sure that there is no shame attached to the services that we're providing. And we try to normalize that this, this happens to people. So you're okay to have these thoughts, these feelings, Let's help you navigate and move through those. Another thing that we have found to be um, a challenge is uh, generational issues that have uh, families' thoughts generationally about mental health and mental health services that if not needed, that we can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, that um, if you get 
help that you are weak. And so those are some, some stigmas and some mind shifts that we're trying to help because historically we have not been um, encouraged to engage in helping ourselves when we're feeling bad or depressed. We have said, we'll get over it. One of the things I always say is what happens when you wake up one day and you didn't get over it and the next day you didn't get over it. Those are some things that are telltale signs that um, I'm having some challenges. So that shame and guilt attached, you know, that we can do it by ourselves is a stigma. Well, that's all the time that we have for this week's episode, Mental Health Stigmas. We'll continue the conversation next week with Valerie Cunningham as we conclude part two for another episode of Live Exceptionally. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share with others on YouTube or your preferred podcast platform. And stay connected with us at elisi.org. Have an exceptional week. Thanks for joining us for Live Exceptionally with Dr. Yvonne Thompson. Each week, we'll explore the secrets to living a life that is both intentional and fulfilling. We'll talk to folks that will share about productivity, mindfulness, and self-care to learn practical tips and strategies for staying focused, managing our time, and finding balance within a kingdom mindset. We'll also hear from people who have made the choice to live exceptionally and learn from their experiences and insights. Connect with Dr. Yvonne by signing up at elici.org. That's E-L-I-C-I dot org. Until next time, we're praying that you find balance and rest so you can live exceptionally.